I'm I'm being told that we've gone too long. My wife is watching a movie about foster children now. Oh, it's all boy. my fault. <laughs> I, I quote to feel shame. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And we have no bands this week. No bands! Woo! Eldraine is now on its third iteration, and it's going <laughs> to stay there at least for another week. Yep. Uh, no bands in Pioneer 2. We might as well throw that in there yep. now. The format that they decided they were going to do bands every weekend. We have now had two weeks with no bands. It's craziness. kind of tells me the format might be in a decent place, right? Maybe. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Since we're kind of in a lull, mm-hmm. and uh, based on our PTQ attendance, there might not be a ton of uh, interest in Standard currently. Well, I mean, you showed up tonight with uh, an interesting tidbit that we can probably talk about in, in a, a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start on our you know probably long series on uh, playing Magic and Paper. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a lot to talk about here, so... Don't get confused if we jump around a little bit. We're yeah, going to try and keep it organized, but I'm sure we're going to miss things and going to want to go yeah. back. So so we're going to try to to walk you through all the stuff to get you from arena mm-hmm. to like competent player at your store. Yep. All right. So if you have any like ideas for shows or whatnot here, especially in a uh, end of November, beginning of December when magic really takes a long. Yeah. We're not going to get um, show ideas from wizards for about four weeks because they're going to close down. Yeah, um, and we've got some stuff that we'd like to talk about. But if you guys got anything that you want to hear about, now's the time. Yep. So tweet us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email us at show at Casual Tryhard MTG dot com. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the PTQ that we went to this weekend in Columbia. Yeah, it was kind of a last minute decision to make a trip and go. Yeah, it was a go play Pioneer. Mm-hmm. For the chance of winning four of cards that I already have four of. Uh, they were also four of cards that I already had four of. Or go try to spike a tournament and get a Pro Tour invite. Yep. I would uh, almost all the time rather play in a tournament for something than a tournament for nothing. Yeah. So. And not that four J-Spins prodigies are nothing, but... Right. There's not a Pro Tour invite. No. Like, it is certainly not. They always say to spend your money on experiences, and that would be an experience True. that we did not have. Yep. Right? So you, me, and uh, our friend Greg, who's been on the Pro Tour a few times, mm-hmm. piled in a car and drove two and a half hours. We sure did. And showed up to a 30-person PTQ. Yeah. Which like, is like the dream. Oh, 100%. Honestly, 100% yeah. Honestly, if you're showing up, like... The dream is to show up to a 30-person PTQ. Yeah, this PTQ kind of broke oddly, too. Like, I don't know if you recognized a ton of players there. No, like, only a handful. There were some really good players there that, like, disappeared after round two. So I don't know if they just didn't perform and left or what. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it got small. and like yeah. I think it got down to, like, probably 22 yeah. players after the first few rounds. I know apparently my round two opponent, uh, no, round one opponent, I was talking about him afterwards, and Greg was like, oh, yeah, he top-aided an SCG Open. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. The, uh, the guy that I played round two has been on the Pro Tour before. The guy that I played round two on, he was on Strasky Pile, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a bit. Yep. He had the, the Pro Tour Richmond yeah. uh, mat. Mm-hmm. So I think he 
also had been on the Pro Tour quite recently. Yep, and there was um, another guy, I don't know if you saw him or not or recognized him, but he had like a red hat on. Um, I've played him at a couple RBTQs before, so okay. he's he's been around the block once or twice too. Yeah. And then there was another side of the tournament that was the FNM bracket. Yeah. That was a lot of people that weren't as experienced. Right. And so they had some mixed results. We'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Varied widely. Yes. So what did you decide to play in our third iteration of Throne of Eldraine standard? <laughs> I wanted to play Jund Cat Oven, Jund Sack. But I did not want to play Mayhem Devil Mirrors, so I decided not to play that deck. Hmm. Um, because I don't think those mirrors are very skill-intensive. It's who sticks think, Mayhem Devil first? Yeah, they're basically just who sticks Mayhem Devil first. So I decided to not play that, and I played uh, Red Black Aggro, like the Rotting Regisaur Ember Cleave list. Yeah. I had some pretty good luck with it. I was happy with my deck choice. I didn't do fantastic, but I didn't do bad. Like one one more win, and I would have top aided. I went three and two. Yeah, had a couple unlucky top decks. My top deck cooperated very nicely for one of my opponents. Yes, I got to steal my drill bit and crush me. Yeah, so his opponent played uh, Robber of the Rich. Yeah, and then got to take your drill bit. Yeah, play your drill bit and take your Embercleave. Was it that was going to no, kill my him next Regisaur. turn? You were Regisaur. Yeah, he was playing Mono Red. Has zero answers to Regisaur. Has Four answers to uh, Spawn of Mayhem. Had both in hand with a couple lands and took the Regisaur and... Had the answer to the had spawn. Had the answer to the spawn, yeah. So it was, it was rough. Yeah. I played Jeskai Fires. Mm-hmm. The um, Cavalier version. The Cavalier version, but it's uh, it's the deck that... Or similar deck to what Gregor Kowalski played to mm-hmm. ninth at the Pro Tour. So instead of being the full eight Cavaliers... Yeah. It's four Cavalier of Flame, two Cavalier of Gales, two Kenrith, the Return King, yeah, and then four Fey of Wishes. So you have the wish board that like the Planeswalker version of the deck has, mm-hmm. but you also have what just feels like a more proactive plan yeah. of like slam a hasty five six. Yeah. In Dedham. Yeah, it's it's more proactive than like slam a Sarkin, make a four four. It's like right. cool. I'll slam 11 points of power, right. give it haste, and try to kill you. Well, that kind of goes back to something that um, the Arena Decklist podcast said last week, right? About mm-hmm. how you have to end games in this format. Yeah, because if you hang, if people hang around too long, they just accrue too much value. Right. And the deck does just end games. You can yeah. just kind of like, like the games go long, but you can get to a point where you're just like, okay, if I get to untap, doesn't mm-hmm. matter what they do, they die. Right. That's kind of why I played the uh, red-black deck. Because Embercleave just, like, ends games. Like, if you can't do something meaningful by, like, turn four or five, like, you're dead. Yeah. So, I went Mm 4-1. In a 30-person tournament, if you haven't played a lot of, like, Swiss small tournaments. So, a five-round tournament, going Mm 3-0 means you get to double draw into top eight. 3-0-2 in a five-round tournament is guaranteed top eight. Yep. And I went win loss. So then I went to three and one yeah. and three, one and one should have been able to draw in the top eight. But the way the math broke, it was, but the weird. way the math broke because two guys that drove together, right. Decided to draw round two. Right. So there were more draws in the tournament than there should have been. Mm-hmm. 
And so I had to play your mono red player. Yeah. For my winning in. Well, I'm glad you got him. I died on turn four in the first game. Yeah. And I won the second game because he missed two triggers. And Greg was like, oh, no, you weren't dead. I was like, oh, no, I yeah. was 100% yeah. dead if he gets his triggers. So he was he played uh, the aforementioned Robber of the Rich mm-hmm. with a board of Fervent Champion, Fervent Champion, uh, Runaway Steamkin. Mm-hmm. In the, and I was at eight. And he plays them all, puts his counter on a Steamkin to make it a 3-3, three, three, mm-hmm. attacks, and goes, how many cards are in your hand? I said, three. How many cards are in your hand? He said, three. I said, okay. <laughs> so Robert of the Rich doesn't do anything. Right. And then I was like, I blocked. And then he went, oh. Well, you said go to blocks. I said, right? like, go to blocks or something. Like, yeah. I was like, go to blocks. Like, I yeah. gave him, like, because I honestly didn't even process that he missed the trigger because he didn't right. say anything. And then he was like, I blocked. And he was like, oh, I missed my triggers. And I was like, yes, you did. Yep. And then I was like, I briefly thought about like, I'm just dead here. Just put him <laughs> on the stack. But I was like, judge, yeah, this is what happened. He just misses these triggers, right? Mm-hmm. And the judge was like, yep. Yep. It's like, okay. And he plays Rimrock Knight to mm-hmm. kill my Kenrith Ooh. to put me to four. Yeah. And that Rimrock Knight with two more damage from the uh, Fervent Champions, Fervent Champions lethal. was lethal. Yeah. And I then like time wiped him, played something else, and then gained a bunch of life. Yeah. I ended that game at like seventeen. Yeah. So and then the next game, more of the same. I was able to like stick two cavaliers, gain a bunch of life, and yeah. it was fine. But it was uh I was fortunate there. Yep. And I was happy with my deck choice. It mm-hmm. played out fine. There was a bunch of fires in the room. I played yeah. I played against the Planeswalker version twice Mm -hmm. and felt like I was kind of advantaged where, like, they had, like, Narsets in their deck that were just trying to dig them to one of their Sarkins. I had, like, eight ways to dead them plus four ways to go get Get whatever I needed to dead them. Yeah. And I was happy with my deck choice except for when I got in the car to go to the event because Greg was on Simic Flash, (laughs) which... I can never beat. Yeah. In a million years. Yeah. Good news for him was there was a lot of fires in the room. Yes. Uh, bad news for me is there were not a lot of Jund decks in the room. Yeah, there was like one, one. Mayhem Devil in the room. Yeah. There was, uh, I think there was one Jund list and one Red Black list. Yeah. So I ended up uh, going 4-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, I beat Fires twice, Mono Red miraculously once, and... Oh, Bant Ramp. Mm-hmm. Just jumping with your lands to save your Nissa is not a good idea. No. Like, the... It leaves you with no lands pretty quickly. He was down to three lands, and I went, granted, casualty of war, blow up a, blow up a land, a creature, and your Nissa. Yeah. And did not concede. Played so he a, double stone rained him and killed his Nissa? Yeah. yeah that's rough. Played a played a Paradise Druid, and then I was like, attack you for all the damage. <laughs> uh, that got the concession. Yeah. Yeah, and then Greg and I were the one and two seeds, mm-hmm. so we were thankfully on the opposite side of the bracket. Yep. 
So it means I, you don't have to play each other. We'd have to play each other right. until the finals if we got there. Yep. And also it means the top half of the bracket gets to pick whether they're on the play or the draw for top eight. Yes. Yeah, so I was on the play yep. uh, throughout. I did not hold up my end of the market of getting to the finals, though. <laughs> so I played my first round of top eight was against Green Black Food. Ish. Ish. Yeah. So uh, this gentleman had never played in a magic tournament before and he top aided a ptq yeah made me feel real good about myself he was playing draft all-star bake into a pie he was like he legitimately baked a cavalier into a pie and i was like (laughs) and then Um, let his wolf eat it yeah yeah um he was playing the uh, gluttonous troll the the brawl deck card and apparently there are feasting troll kings somewhere in his list yep, that I, I saw never feasting saw. Feasting troll king. He he was so new that he had to I had to call a judge to have the judge explain to him what cards were permanents. Right. Because he had trail of crumbs and you pay one and you can reveal a permanent. Mm-hmm. And he paid his one and he showed a bacon to a pie and I was like you can Not only a get permanent. He's like you can only get permanents with that. He was yep. like, okay. I'm getting bacon to a pie. I'm like, that's an instant. It's not a permanent. I was like, judge. The judge came over and I was like, I explained what happened. I said, my yeah. opponent is unclear on what a permanent is. Could you please explain to him what types of cards are permanents? Yep. So like an enchantment? He's like, yes. So he then showed his trail of crumbs. Okay. <laughs> and um, I think I had like two or three judge calls for various things. Yeah, and... I know, like, I try not to butt in, like, during other people's matches, especially during top eight. I probably should have just called a judge, but there was a couple times where, like, he missed the two life from his swift Oh, yeah, like, multiple times, yeah. Yeah. But, like, don't be afraid to call a judge. Most of the time it's just, like, clarifying something. Yeah. Uh, And then top four, I played against Green Black Adventures, and you watched that game. Mm -hmm. I slammed a turn four fires with, like some cards and then i don't think i i drew like one spell the rest of the game yeah it was pretty rough yeah i just didn't draw any like you know eight cards in my deck like draw multiple cards and i saw none of them that was against my round four opponent i believe yeah or round three opponent yeah and uh it was game one then game two i won and then game three i mulligan to I kept my six that looked just like my seven, but did not think I could realistically win on five. Yeah. And then proceeded to do, to draw like four Teferis and no Defting Clarions. Right. It was rough. Uh, I was still, I mean, I was like nowhere near in that game. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty rough. Yeah. It was rough to watch. Yeah. Cause I just couldn't do it. There was nothing I could yeah. do. Like it wasn't, I think like there wasn't like I like made any, I think egregious plays in that in those games. It was no, just like my deck so. just did not cooperate with me, which yep. you know happens. It does. And then Greg, we'll say smushed uh, yeah. a, a Grixis Fires player that he played in the Swiss. Yep. Deck zero percent to beat blue green uh, flash. Correct. And then what did he play in the semis? Uh, that was the semis. Was was the Grixis the Grixis fires? was the semis. He played uh, Jeskai Flares in the top eight. Oh God! So yeah, yeah. so he just played like his dream matchups. Yeah, so he would if I would have won, he would have just like smushed fires three times in a row. Yep. And then he ended up winning the whole thing. Yep. Congrats, Greg. Good yeah, luck his, in Phoenix. Yeah, his his matchup against Black Green is fine. Better than yours is. 
well, better, be, better than your deck when it's not cooperating. Is. Yeah, like I, I think yeah. like six main board sweepers against yeah. like the one one deck is yeah. fine. But I just <laughs> draw them. <laughs> Uh, so these things happen, yep. but no, it's pretty all right. So I was, I guess, technically third, and Greg was first. So yep. not a bad, not bad for the car. Not bad at all. And I couldn't be too upset because I knew that if I made it to the finals, I was zero percent to win. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was like all super close. It was like no, right. I was gonna lose yeah. the finals regardless. Yeah, I was a little bummed I didn't do any better, and I was a little bummed that like nobody was there on cat food. Like, if I know nobody was playing cat food, I would have played cat food. Yeah. Like, I'm competent with the deck. That's my kind of deck. I just didn't want to play the mirror all day. Yeah. So, that yeah, was kind of awkward. I think that a lot of people did what I did, which was, what what is the most powerful thing you can be doing in current standard? Yeah. And that is, like, just playing two five-mana spells for free. Mm-hmm. And so, they just went and did that as opposed to, like, just try to go over the top of yeah. people. Like so, I think that's why a lot of people avoided the the sacrifice decks. Mm-hmm. Is just like oh, I can just like play a fires, and it doesn't matter that they like can ping me for three this turn. Yeah. So, I think that was probably part of it. It's just because it was a new format. Could be. Right. Maybe in three weeks, there's more of the food decks. Yeah. Well, I think there will be. I think that's probably like best deck in air quotes in the well, format, or one of them. So, right after the pro tour. Yeah. Uh, Andrea Mangucci sent out a tweet. Mm-hmm. That was a picture of both he and his opponent yep. starting the game on Arena with Leyline of the Void in play. Yeah. Today, or yesterday, Mark Musa sent out a tweet with he and his opponent both starting the game with Leyline of the Void in play. Yeah. So, cats are real good. Cats are real good. So, like, that's where we are is mm-hmm. people are bringing in Leyline to shut off Cat. Yep. Because I mean, that's, like, the only... Unless, yeah, it doesn't really stop anything else in the format right now. Well, blue-green pile, which we will talk about. Yeah. I guess now before we go on to like the new play stuff or how to play, mm-hmm. we'll take a brief second to talk about like standard decks. Sure. We can do that now as a, and then kind of have that section all together for you guys. All right. So the new internet hotness right. is a list by Andre Strasky. Mm-hmm. I tweeted out the Simic list, and I also tweeted out uh, the blue-green list. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's the Great Henge deck. Mm-hmm. And so you're playing the two cheapest creatures with the most power you can. Mm-hmm. In blue and green. Yeah. So you're playing uh, Vantress Gargoyle, which is the one in the blue 5-4 flyer mm-hmm. that can't block unless you have four cards in your hand and can't attack. Unless your opponent has seven, seven cards, cards in, in the graveyard. graveyard. And you can tap it for each player to mill a card. Mm-hmm. And you play Lovestruck Beast. Right. Which is a three mana 5-5. Five five. Yeah. That can, for one mana, make a 1-1 one one on its adventure. Yep. And that makes the Great Henge cost four. Yep. So the Great Henge is seven green green for a legendary artifact that costs X less to cast where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Yeah. So if you have a five five, it costs five less. So it costs two green green. Yep. And it taps for green green and you gain two life. Mm -hmm. And whenever a creature comes into play, you draw a card and you put a counter on that creature. Yes. Is important to note is when it comes into play, not cast. And it's non-token. Yeah. So um, this deck 
relies on those two cards to power out the Great Henge. Yep. Has Edgewall Innkeeper, mm-hmm. which pairs nicely with Luxshock Beast. Yep. It also runs another adventure card we'll talk about in a minute. Yep. Merfolk Secret Keeper. Yeah. So you need a way to turn on your Ventures Paladins. Right. So you can Merfolk Secret Keeper them to kind of turbo their graveyard. Mm-hmm. So then you can start just bashing with five fours. Yep. End the game very quickly. Yes. And again, Merfolk's your keeper, you can cast it to draw a card with Innkeeper. So you have this yep. little, and you have Brazen Borrower. Yep. So you have this 16-card adventure package, mm-hmm. and then you have your, like, 12-card Great Henge package. Right. And they kind of both work well together? And they kind of both work well together. And then there's a little bit of disruption mm-hmm. in two Disdainful Strokes. Mm-hmm. There are two random artifacts in uh, Golden Eggs. Mm-hmm. And then you have this kind of other thing going on, which is you have three Emery's. Mm-hmm. So Emery finds you Great Henges. Or Vandress Gargoyles. Or Vandress Gargoyles and let you... Cast them from the graveyard. Yeah, unless you cycle eggs. Play an egg, oh, draw yeah, three yeah, yeah. life. So it's four, yep. it's four mana, draw a card, gain three life. Yep. So you have like that little engine, and you also have Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, mm-hmm. and Tamio. It's like two Jaces, and a Tamio is like the current build. Okay. And that gives you the back door to, wow, my great, like everything is just a mess. Yeah. No one can ever attack. Mill myself win the game. Mill myself win the game. So you've got these like three different, like kind of like you've got this Edgewall Innkeeper thing where you can just bury your opponent right you've got this like temp- ventress gargoyle like tempo game where you can just like stick a five four mill them twice kill them yeah uh that also and then you have this great hedge thing where again you just grind them to dust right and so it's just all these like moving parts and they come together to a pretty reasonable deck mm-hmm. like Merfolk Secret Keeper is not a standard playable magic card. Like, that is, like, the one <laughs> hole in the deck where you're just like, yeah. this is not good. Yeah. But wish the, there was something better. I wish there was something better. But that kind of pulls the whole thing together. You can yeah. mill yourself because, right, with Emery, Emery comes in and mills yourself for four. Yep. But she needs cards in your graveyard. Right. So you can sometimes, you decide to mill yourself so she has more food mm-hmm. to bring stuff back. If you're like, I need a Great Henge, you mill yourself and you effectively drawn four cards to try to find a Great Henge. Yeah. So it fills two roles. Like you can turn on your Gargoyle when you have the Gargoyle draw, or it can turn on your Emery. When you have the Emery draw. No, I haven't played enough with it to know like... When which, you're supposed to do what. Yeah, which one's the A plan. Like if you have a Merfolk Secret Keeper and you don't have either of those, yeah. do you mill that hand? Or do you, sorry, do you mulligan that hand, or do you just like, you know, jam? And then for a while, he's playing a Sultai list that mm-hmm. took out the egg, the eggs in the disdainful strokes. There's all. There's also two gilded goose in there. Yeah. Because why not? It's a green. Well, deck. Yeah. I mean, you got to. You got to. Hey, it makes makes your Emery's one cheaper. That's right. But he was playing a Sultai list mm-hmm. that was three cats, three ovens. Yeah. Take out uh, the golden eggs, the disdainful strokes adjacent something else and then you just have the the cat oven mm-hmm. thing in your deck as well so you have gilded goose to make food so you can like an oven to make food so you can mill over your cats yeah 
And even if you don't have black mana, if you have an oven, you can bring them. Back. You can bring them back. Yeah. Also, Merfolk Secret Keeper has four toughness. It does. Which means if you throw it in the oven, you get how many food? Uh, two. You get two food. Yeah. James found out that card makes two food if you have four toughness. I've been casting that card for a long time now. I had no idea. There's a lot of text on that card. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd ever read that line. Yeah, so it like I had an opponent. They played Ethereal Absolution. Yeah. And I had a bunch of food out. So I just looped my cat yeah. and killed them. They were at like five and i was like okay my cat dies every turn it comes in but i'm just gonna like bring it back bring it back bring it back back. because i don't don't have to sack it to anything you just kill it so that deck is interesting the mana is awful it has like six black sources it just doesn't feel like the mana is right like you get a lot of spots where you can't cast stuff well like you said though you don't really need to cast the cat you don't if, if you can find a way to get it in your graveyard you don't really need black mana yeah but it felt awkward yeah but the thing that i found most interesting was the Cat, uh, Great Henge interaction. Yeah, where Great Henge sends when it comes into play, not cast. Right. So when you sacrifice your cat, your food to get your cat back. Yeah. You put a plus one plus one counter on the cat and you draw. You draw a card. card. And that is pretty all right. Yeah. So your witch's oven reads tap, sacrifice a creature, draw a card, drain your opponent for one. Yeah. Make a two two. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so I started kicking around just like a green blacklist. Mm-hmm. I kind of dig it. I might uh, might have to brew something up. I'm here. not. I'm not there. It's not there yet. But the idea was. Well, you could kind of squish it in with the adventure package, right? That's what I was so trying you to do. Like Lovestruck Beast, Edgewell Innkeeper. So I had Lovestruck Beast, Edgewell Innkeeper, Murderous Rider because I yeah. didn't like the fact that the blue green deck just didn't have any removal. You yeah. just like your your way of winning the game was I'm going to draw 15 more cards than you and yeah. just have enough bodies to go around anything that you do. Mm-hmm. So you had Lovestruck Beast, Murderous Rider. The I'm other. sure the deck wants Vraska. Vraska was in there at some point. And then Cat Oven. Yeah. And then Reggie. Mm-hmm. Because Reggie makes the Great Henge cost two. Right. So you can like Reggie the next turn, discard a card, go like Great Henge, Still have four mana because it taps for two. Mm-hmm. So it's effectively free when you have a Reggie. Right. And then just play out a bunch of stuff and like refill your hand so you can keep feeding your dinosaur. Right. And then you just have the abyss in dinosaur form. Yeah. Plus you're just drawing a bunch of extra cards. There's no way to shoehorn Embercleave into that deck, is there? Um, I'm going to go with no. Like... I'm sure you can try to put like red red in your like green green black well, black. Like that's that's kind of the problem with Reggie though is that he, he just gets chumped for days. Yeah, he just gets chumped forever. So is there anything we can do to give him flying or trample or lifelink or something? Flying dinosaurs. There are, there's, there's no dino <laughs> catapult. I don't. I can't think of anything in like green to kind yeah. of give him evasion. There's not like a give him trample guy. Yeah. Or anything. But, like, that deck was... I played a couple games with it uh, last night, and mm-hmm. it was fine. It's something different, but there is the just you can chump Reggie forever. Right. But you do you do generate enough value from your other stuff that you get enough, like, things they have to chump. Yeah. Right? Like, a turn where you're, like, you know, you go, like, Reggie into discard a card, Great Henge, cast Lovestruck Beast Adventure cast a love struck beast now yeah. it's a six six yeah 
and you drew you a card. Oh, that's kind of awkward with uh Oh no, cuz it's non token, right? Non token. So, so the one, one, one. So you saw the one one from the Yeah. You have less of them. Right. Uh right, but now you've got a 7/6 dinosaur and a 6/6 love shark beast. Yeah. They've got a chump block both. Mhm. And you just like you're just making these giant things. The blue green decks kind of advantage was like with Brazen Borrower just getting to like flash in like, you know, a flying threat. Mhm. Uh, which is, is which is also really good with like uh, what's it called with the Great Henge like yeah. hey here's a here's four a four two, two flyer card. so there are pros and cons I like I threw together a list like I don't think it was right I didn't have enough adventure creatures to make the Edgewall Innkeeper part work but I think like yeah. starting with oh Order of Midnight was the other adventure card I had okay had Order of Midnight at least it flies but I think um, Falmire Knight's better than it might be there were some times that I wanted. I wish I had could go like innkeeper into Falmire, Falmire, and I yeah. didn't have that. So like I had murder, I had Midnight Rider mm-hmm. in the deck, or Midnight Reaper, whatever it is, yeah. Midnight guy. I know what you meant. And maybe that should just be Falmire Knight because you don't. I think so. You're already, you're drawing cards from your cat and yeah. everything on the way in. You don't also need to draw cards on the way out. Right. And you could have them in the sideboard if you're playing against a Just Guy Fires kind of deck. Yeah, where, something where you're worried about sweepers. Yeah, where you just like bring those in and then like, you know, that fixes your problem. Yeah. Were you playing Goose? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, like turn two Reggie is okay in my book. Oh, yeah, A plus good time. Yeah. At that point, you don't care what you're sacrificing. No, it's like, <laughs> I'll discard this and yeah. you, you're going to spend, you spent some amount of mana. Yeah. To throw to sacrifice that to my dinosaur, and I'd yeah. spent no mana to put this in the graveyard. That's right. Both of our cards are going to end up in the same place. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to run out of cards. Uh-huh. I think I had Veraska in the sideboard. I think I put Veraska in, but I was like, I think I just want to lean super hard into like the creature mm-hmm. aspect of it. But yeah, like the deck might there might be something also like Gruel could also do something very similar where mm. you're playing where you still have the Love Struck Beast. Yeah. But you also just have spellbreakers and spellbreakers yeah. and like you can play like beast. questing beast and like Yorvo, yeah, like things that are just like generically big, yeah. And you could also do kind of like the the gruel adventures kind of thing where mm-hmm. you have like innkeeper and rimrock knight, yeah, and uh, Ooh, rimrock knight's cute with great henge too, yeah, and stompy guy, uh, bone crusher, bone crusher. Uh, so you stompy could, guy. Stomp, he <laughs> his front side is stomp. It is. Yeah, he stomps. But you could do something like that where you're like red green and you still have access to like reasonable mm-hmm. removal. And you get to play Embercleave. And you get to play Embercleave, so you can kind of like do it all. Yeah, I, I do kind of like that cat oven great henge interaction though. That's yeah, it is really something good. I think I want to play with. It is really good. So that's the salt tide deck. I was just like, this is the best thing you could possibly do. Yeah. Uh, I did like I was playing like some unranked best of one just like try to figure it out and just ran into some like utter trash yeah like someone went like Chandra's regulator into little Chandra into Karn the great creator down tick get uh, Grafdigger's cage oh and I was like super and then they also got like a spyglass so they turned off my office, put my cage. <laughs> I was like, this is not representative of anything that would ever happen. I still had a giant board. I lost to dual deck Planeswalker or plane, uh, dual deck Chandra. Activate Chandra's regulator, deal 20 to me. 
Ouch. I was like... Good job, buddy. I was like, I did not learn anything from this matchup <laughs> other than I'm never going to play against this deck ever again. That's right. It was mono red. Tribal Chandras. With, it was mono red, but had four um, four interplanar beacons oh. so they could cast the Royal Science. Okay. Saw no islands in the deck. <laughs> All mountains. The whole game. And the game went long. The Royal Science. Royal Science. I was like, oh. Fantastic. Okay. But yeah, so the new hotness is is the Strosky deck, and yep. again, this is the. Uh, and you said that they've moved back to Simic, right? He like moved back to Simic. Play? So yesterday he tweeted out like, "Here's the cyborg guide to mm-hmm. my favorite deck in the format," and I retweeted that. Yep. And then I proceeded to play on ladder, and I played like four mirrors in the course of. So I played Saltai Pile. Mm-hmm. And blue green pile because Shrosky keeps referring to the deck as the pile. Right. I played against blue green pile three times in eight matches. So I played against it almost yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, almost half of the almost half the time. So this is the uh, this is Twitter magic now. Yeah. Right. Like that's the world we live in. Yeah. If this is the best deck in the format. Everyone now knows about it. Right. Instantly. Instantly. Like, little old me retweeted it, and Steve McGee was like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> so Steve has it now. Right. Chuckles doesn't. Chuckles doesn't follow me on Twitter. He should follow you on Twitter. He should. Chuckles is the one person that should follow you on Twitter. That's right. And he can ask all his sideways questions on Twitter instead of in person. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, uh, can I ask you a question? Sure. What do you... What do you think? When uh, uh, should I buy uh, Okos? You should have bought them apparently pre-ban <laughs> because they spiked post-ban. Yep. Thanks, Chuckles. Oh, my PTQ <laughs> winnings had uh, one of each Planeswalker in it. They did? Mm-hmm. Nice. This tournament also had a weird payout, just to circle back. This store always has a weird payout. It so. was only in packs. Yeah. So the top four split, and we effectively... Got a box each after the finagling. Minus one pack. So I gave them four American dollars to make just give me a sealed box. Yeah. I got five mythics out of it, but nice. uh but yeah, it was uh it was all the planeswalkers, so that was good. So yeah, I have cool. an extra I have an extra Oko. Uh, I was like I was just opening that up with my wife and I was like, Oh, this card's banned. A little while later, <laughs> oh this once upon a time, banned. this card's banned. Yeah. It's like they made mistakes. Yeah. Okay. It was a little good. Yeah. So so good luck in Phoenix, Greg. Yes, good luck. If you guys got any sweet standard decks you want us to take a peek at, send them to us. I had someone send us a deck, and we, you know, we worked through it with them a little bit. Yep. I was like, more, more, more black sources, <laughs> more black sources. But going back to the tournament real quick. So my opponent, like you know, we uh, didn't know what a permanent was. We kind of yeah. chuckled a little bit, right? But he left his house and went and played in a tournament and top aided it. Mm-hmm. This is not something you should expect. Right. But if you don't go to the tournament, you can't win. You don't have a chance to like top eight. Yep. Right. So, you know, he took that step to like play in his first event and mm-hmm. he showed up with like a homebrew and beat a bunch of people that yeah. have podcasts and stuff. He showed up with a bunch of cards that he owned yes yep. it was black green cards i got from drafts and uh, he, basically yeah with in, in addition was a gluttonous troll that and he did not draft and cards i got from a dual deck yeah 
Brawl deck. A Brawl deck. I bought I brought the Corvald Brawl yeah. deck. I decided not to play the Corvald. <laughs> but this troll, I'm in. Yep. Gluttonous troll is with two black green for a 3-3. Three, three. When it comes into play, you make a food equal to the number of opponents you have. Correct. You have to make one food. You have to make one and food. And then one and a green? Yep. Sacrifice a food. Sacrifice a non-land permanent or just permanent? I thought it was food. I think it's permanent. Okay. And gets plus two, plus two, turn to turn. Yeah. And it has trample. It has trample. Yeah. So it's a three, three that gets trample. That gets to be a little bit bigger if you like feed it a bunch of mana. Yep. So, but yeah, you need to like, you know, get out in the world and Mm -hmm. play. And so our next section. Yeah. In the business, they call that a segue. You see that? You like that? It's good. Very nice. It's good. We've been doing this almost for a year now. Almost. Almost. It's like um, 46 weeks. Yeah, 46 weeks. We are going to talk about how to get you from arena to a tournament kind of this week. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to start breaking down how you interact with your opponent yep. once you're at the tournament. Yep. Right? So... When we, we first got the, the suggestion, it was just like, we were like, oh, yeah, we can talk about, like, communication through, like, a turn. And then... We kind of realized there was a lot more to it than that. And then it was like, oh, wait, like, what do they need to, like, actually be sitting and having that turn? Right. Right. So we wanted to start clear back at the beginning. Yeah, and some of this stuff was things that we noticed while we were at the GP. Mm-hmm. Saw a lot of people running around like crazy trying to get their act together before the tournament started and... We were both glad we weren't them. Yes. Rock first things first is, uh, like, why should we play in paper? Like, why should we put pants on? Because uh, I'm too pretty to go to prison. <laughs> That's why I put on pants every day. I, I can't send me to jail. Okay, that was good. <laughs> I, I say in class, I'd be traded like currency. <laughs> Want these cigarettes? I got a Wakefield for you. No! Passed around. <laughs> Passed around be rough. Um, I can pay you in cigarettes, ramen noodles, or Brian's. <laughs> right, it's unwilling currency. Thank you. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not big enough to put up a fight. Uh, okay, so there's a few reasons. One, uh, as people often point out, many people enjoy the gathering portion of yeah, Magic the Gathering. There is certainly a social aspect of it. And so you don't have the gathering in Arena. Right. Like, unless you can, like, you know, build friendships and relationships with the uh, five uh, emotes that you have. <laughs> and I have them muted. So Or with Sparky, the, the dummy robot. Yeah. yeah. I'm um, going to try my best. Sure you are, Sparky. <laughs> yeah, sure good you job. Are, buddy. <laughs> Way to roll over. <laughs> roll over. Good, good, good AI, Sparky. Yeah. yeah, great job. Better than Chandelar. <laughs> I thought Chandelar was great, man. Chandelar AI. AI, AI, AI has, well, the AI uh, is terrible. The game's great, though. Yeah, it is. They need to update that thing. But, uh, so there is the gathering aspect. Yeah, there's a, a lot of friends, like you, Yeah, that uh, you don't meet playing Arena. You th- meet them, like, at your FNM. I think that um, that's part of the reason I got, I didn't know anyone when I started playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a friend group that was Cameron. He mm-hmm. moved here, like, after college yep. and started playing, and that's how he got his friends. Yep. The oft-mentioned, yet to show up on the podcast, but one day, Anthony, yeah. that's how he got his friend group, was when he moved from uh, like La Jolla, California to here, mm-hmm. and he started playing Magic and like asked me, like, what do you think of my draft deck? And I like tried to help him out with his draft deck, and that's how he like yeah. uh, got a friend group mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, it's a way to, like, especially if you're, like, somewhere new yeah. or something. I mean, when you're old, it's hard hard to make friends. It is. It's weird, right? It is, right? Like, when you were in school, there were just always people around. Yeah. Now you, like, go to work and you Can't st- wait to go home and <laughs> you then tolerate you get home those people. And, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> then there's your wife. Not that, you know, coming home to your wife is a problem, but there's yeah, a whole bunch of people out there. Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah. and now my social interactions are done. Yeah. Hey, wife, how's it going? I'm not going to meet anyone new today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, right. So there's that. And I think there's also, and I think we've talked about this before, I think there's still more prestige. Mm-hmm in doing well in paper. Yeah. Right? 100%. There's still the, like, idea that, like, really good players are really good in paper. Right. And, like, because the client, we've talked about this before, the client does, like, kind of hold your hand a little bit. Yeah. Right? My opponent would not have missed his two triggers if on Arena. Arena did it for him. Arena would have put him on the stack, and I would have been dead. Right. Right? So, like, you know, I was fortunate but that's a skill that you have to have. You have to be able to like play a robber of the rich, attack, mm-hmm. announce all of your triggers, make them happen, make them happen, yep. do everything right, and then like do all do all that stuff, keep all that stuff straight in your head. Yeah, there was a common like going back to the social part of it. Mm-hmm. There was a common thing a couple of years ago. I don't know how common it is anymore, but a lot of the magic pros kind of like cross pollinated with poker pros. Yes. So it was, my understanding was there was a bunch of people that played Magic. Yeah. And then poker blew up in the early to early to mid-2000s, mm-hmm. and a lot of them walked away from Magic. or Went to go play poker. Or backburnered Magic, because yeah. as strange as it seems, a lot of the same skills yeah. that like make you good at Magic make you good at poker, mm-hmm. right? You're reading signals in the, like, unintended sent information right from your opponent based on what they're doing you're like doing the math in your head of how likely mm-hmm. is someone to have this card or that card right so all that stuff mm-hmm. kind of translates and yep. in the you know mid to early 2000s there was a lot more money yeah in doing that like sitting at home and playing you know 85 tables of poker simultaneously Mm -hmm. than there was playing magic playing magic yep i mean you may have heard of eric froelich yep he has at least one if not two world series of poker bracelets Mm -hmm. uh david williams plays poker Uh, that's what he's known for is playing poker yeah and plays magic and does commentary now and Mm -hmm. yep so yeah there's a lot of a lot of those skills translate so like if you play poker like it's the same kind of thing. The same kind of skills are going to translate. Yep. So we we think that uh, mag- uh, the paper is the way to play. Yes. 100%. That is that is how we learned how to play in our back high school hallways or wherever you started. Yep. That's how I would rather play. Um, yeah. I kind of use I play I do play a lot of arena, but I kind of use that to hone my paper game instead of vice versa. Yeah. It's more. I try to find decks on Arena and get yeah. good with them because I can never, you can never play as many games in paper right. as you do with digitally any digital client. Yeah. Because, right, you've got to shuffle between games, mm-hmm. not on the, not on your digital client. Yeah. Yep, you've got to wait for the round and wait for pairings. You know, you've you crack your fabled passage. Yep, 
it just shows you all your lands. Yeah. You click on it. It shows it show- you the lands you can get. Yeah. yeah. It shows you all the lands you can get. You click on the you yeah. click on it, it goes onto the battlefield, your deck shuffled. Right. Took like three seconds. Right. Takes a minute or two on paper. Yeah, so it's just a faster thing. So I do the same thing. I'm like, I want to play this deck, mm-hmm. or I want to see if this deck's good. I'm going to play it here because yep. in two hours I can get, you know, 20, uh, 10 games in. Yeah, you can play almost a full tournament or what you would in paper in a couple hours on Arena. Yeah, that is what I use it for as well. Like, I want to yep. be good in on Arena because that's going to translate to being good in mm-hmm. in uh, uh, paper. Yep. I also like holding the cards. I enjoy my collection. I enjoy, you know, going out and finding some of the weird cards. Yeah. I mean, I like I like touching them. I, I like to touch the cardboard. I don't like organizing them. I have too many <laughs> of them. Uh, but, yeah, there's that aspect of it as well. Yeah. It's like, you know, finding the cards you want for a particular deck or the particular printing. Yep. Or, you know, the we've talked about Magic Finance before. Right. You can't flip cards in Arena. That is correct. It is impossible. Right. So... If there is an aspect of like getting to be smarter than everyone on like a particular card, yeah, or being able to like be right about a card and buy a bunch low, get rid of them high, and get something mm-hmm. better. Something you wanted, some reserve list card. Or in my old age, I have grown fond of the shinies. I yes, never so, used to, but so have I. Yeah, it's it's the red paper clip thing, right? From <laughs> Craigslist. Yeah. Right, you're you're just trying to trade up to a card that's worth a house as opposed to an actual place to live. Basically, uh, this black lotus cannot provide me shelter, <laughs> shelter or nourishment. But here it is. <laughs> One thing we don't have on here for things to do before you play mm-hmm. is we got to figure out where you're going to play. Oh yeah. So how that's do people find where to play? Like the easiest way is please don't say Wizards' website. I was going to say Wizards Event Finder. <laughs> That is not the easiest way. That website is trash. I've used it before. To, yeah. I haven't. I've used it like when I go to like different. If I go to like a different yeah. town, I've and used I it f- before also. And I want to find a game. Basically, what it uh, what this site does there's there's layers of using it, yeah. and I think the best way to use it is you go to like Wizards Event Finder, mm-hmm. and you like type in your zip code or your town or whatever, and yeah. you set like a range, and it's just gonna list all the stores in that range, all the stores in that area. Yeah. Now. You want to get from Wizards' website <laughs> to not on Wizards' website as quickly as possible. Yeah, you need so to leave there. Now you have like <laughs> a list, of, a list of a list of websites or at least store names. Yeah, and then you can go to those sites yeah. or find them. The most stores have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them do, or a web page. Yeah, and then that's how you're going to get from. Like, so you got to know where you can go, right? Because once you're on those pages, pretty much universally somewhere they're going to have a list of events, and you're going to see when they have tournaments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the first thing is like you decided to put on pants. Where are you <laughs> wearing these fancy pants? Fancy pants, right? So, I think Wizards Event Recorder, or not Reporter. That, <laughs> that's a whole nother train. That's wreck. a whole nother train wreck. Wizards uh, uh, event, event finder finder event locator yep. is just going to give you a list of stores that like have magic tournaments. Yeah, one of the odd things about Wizards event finder though is that it doesn't necessarily rank the stores by distance or quality. It kind of ranks them by what's running 
time-wise. So it'll find the next closest event to you. Like if you're if you're trying to find an FNM to go to and it's a Monday, you might end up with two stores that are running, you know, Tuesday night modern before FNM and it will list those two stores first. Yeah. I guess we can talk about that real quick as what kind of events to play in. Yeah. So I think the the place to start typically I'm currently on Wizards Event Locator and it, I can't get it to let me search. Yeah. So this is good. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Here we go. It's listing them by like event. Yeah. So basically when a store wants to run an event, they have mm-hmm. to go into some software yep. and schedule their events in advance so it works in this Wizards Event Finder thing. Yep. It also like you mentioned Wizards Event Reporter, it links with that also. Yeah. If they don't schedule an event, it won't pee in the event reporter for them to run the event. Yeah. So basically I, I did this and it listed events and it showed you where the stores were on a map. And then you can just like now you have the now I have the names of the thing. Yep. So most stores are gonna run a Friday night magic. Yeah. That is most times going to be Depending on the store and how big it is, mm-hmm. it might just be one format. It might just be standard, or it may just be draft, yeah. or it may be modern. So if you're not sure, if they don't like clearly say, yeah. just call or like message someone on Facebook and be like, "Hey, what format is your F and M?" I am gonna say something real quick about draft. Okay. I tend to push like new players towards draft because it helps them build a collection that they can then use to construct decks out of. But I think we're a little bit jaded because. Our store always fires draft. Yes. Like more people show up for draft than most other formats usually. Yeah, it's usually they it's usually probably twelve to thirty people yeah. will draft and we're usually trying to scrape together yeah. enough people six for a constructed to eight event. To make a constructed event yeah. happen. Um that's not the norm though. A lot of stores don't draft. Yeah, a lot of stores it's more yeah. constructed. Yeah. I started out playing a lot of draft. Yep. Uh, you can tell when I started and I had a lot more time, I have a lot more Battle for Zendikar mm-hmm. and Oath of the Gatewatch cards than anything else because yeah. I drafted those formats like three times a week. Mm-hmm. I liked doing draft initially because when I started, I was like, well, I don't have any cards. Like I had cards 15 years ago, but I don't have any cards. Right. And like I'm behind the eight ball in terms of what I – can play like mm-hmm. i have no idea what's going on but like with draft there's a hundred percent skill to it knowing what to do mm-hmm. right but you are all starting card wise at zero right at the end you were responsible for picking your cards you didn't have to show up with cards mm-hmm. and then like you said over time you will like put together a collection and yeah. be able to maybe have the starts of a standard deck yeah that is a nice part about draft, though, is you, you're building a deck out of the same pool as the guys on either side of you. Yeah. Again, like people are going to be like better at it because they've had more practice or whatever, but like you can develop those skills. And a lot of the skills that you develop, like combat math yeah. and things like that, translate into yeah, they're the same. standard and, and everything like that. Yep. Um, new sets always have like funky interactions too. Draft's a good way to learn those interactions. They can like help you down the road when you're trying to put put a deck together. Or... Yeah. So there's the first thing you got to figure out like where your like closest tournament mm-hmm. is. And now if there are like three stores in your area, you can 
maybe shop around a little bit and yeah. go to a store one event and be like, eh, I don't know, try another store until you find like a store that's right for you. A lot of mm-hmm. towns, I know Anthony's talked about this when he was out in California and then here as well for a long time. Mm-hmm. We had a more compete. There was a more competitive store. Yeah. And a more casual store. Right. And the players kind of like will self sort. Right. Into the people that are like going to have fun and play like tier two standard decks. Yeah. And the people that are going to be at the store playing the best possible standard deck because they've got a PTQ to go to on Saturday. Yeah. And they want to try like one more card, like a different card in their main deck. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times those will split. Mm hmm. And like finding the store that's the right fit for you. Right. Like, you know, you, right. If you're like, I'm not super competitive about this. I just want to have fun. And you go into a store that's like a bunch of grinders. A, yeah. A bunch of grinders that are super spiky. I'm, they might not be unwelcoming. Right. But like losing to O2 isn't fun. Four matches in a row yeah. is not like super fun. Yeah. It's not going to leave a good taste in your mouth. Right. So like you can like shop around for a store. So if there are yeah, multiple stores should. in your area, Go around even before the F and M. Like I would suggest doing it before the, before the event. Yeah, just like if to you're like trying to find go get your, a go get the vibe and get the stuff that we're going to talk about here in, in a second. Yeah, maybe ask some questions. Yeah, ask the store owner like what kind of people show up, what kind of decks are around, whatever. Yeah. So before you go to play, so we've mm-hmm. we found you a place to go. Mm-hmm. Right. You spend as little time on Wizard Side as possible <laughs> when you found a place to go. Yep. All right. So now. What do we need to have before you go? Accessories. Yes. Like, we're not going to talk about your deck quite yet. We're going to talk about the stuff that you need. So we're going to talk about the stuff that you need, like, in paper to play the game versus the stuff that you would need to play digitally. Yes. So you're going to need dice for a couple different reasons. Um, Dice used for tracking Planeswalker loyalty. Yeah. Uh, use them for plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one counters on creatures. Yep. And sometimes you can use them to represent tokens. Yeah. Like the number of tokens. Yeah. So, like, let's say you've made six goblins and you right. only have one goblin token. Yeah. You can just throw a six on top of your goblin token. Yeah. And be like, I got six of these. Mm-hmm. If you plan on making a bunch of tokens, you probably don't need like thirty. You can probably get away with like three, maybe mm-hmm. one for tapped, one for untapped, and one for summoning sick. There's yeah. usually plenty to, you know, to differentiate. Like clearly represent what's going on. Yeah. One thing that you should not use dice for, though, is keeping track of your life total. Yes. Um, that should be done on pen and paper. That's the way that you're expected to keep track of your life at um, like larger, more competitive events. Yes. Because you can go back and if there's any discrepancies, you can kind of figure out where the discrepancies are. Yeah. And you don't have any of that with dice. Yeah. and Or if someone, like, bumps the table and right. your dice move, now you've lost track of... Right. Right. Now, if you're, like, playtesting with a friend or whatever, like, the yeah. spin down that they give you is fine. Yep. But, like, you know, I always have a, a notebook. hmm And I just track each of my... Yeah. My... I just keep filling up, like, games on in the notebook. Mm-hmm. I try and play, like when I'm at the game store, I try and play with my spin downs um, mainly because I feel like it's more welcoming to like other players. Whereas if I'm, you know, taking notes the whole time in a notebook, like some people might find that off-putting. Okay. Like more casual players, I mean. Mm-hmm. So when we're at the game store, I try and play with the spin downs just to make it 
make me more approachable, I guess, but it is not a habit you should get into. Yeah. Because at some point you're going to want to play, I'm assuming at some point you're going to want to play competitively, and at that point you're going to need to be used to keeping track of your life total with pen and paper. Yeah, even if like you're not like, I want to make the pro tour, but maybe there's a Saturday PTQ. Right, or an IQ or whatever. And you're just like, oh, I don't have anything going on this Saturday. I'm going to play in this because I want to play Magic. Right. Right, and so that's the way you have to keep track of it is pen and paper. Mm Mm-hmm. We also kind of glanced over something that I think we should talk a little bit about. Okay. And that's tokens. Yes. Uh, We talked about using dice to kind of represent tokens. You should make sure that you have a token to put a die on. Yeah, so technically in the magic rules, anything can be a token as long as you've agreed with your opponent that this pile of pre-chewed gum is going to be a goblin. Or a pizza box. Yeah, whatever yeah whatever but ideally wizards has made tokens and they've stuck them in the packs Mm -hmm. they are dirt cheap they are sometimes they're hard to find the correct ones but they are always cheap yeah like inexpensive tokens like a dollar right and you're like damn why is this token a dollar you're like oh it's for a mythic okay Right. right but for the most part they're cheap yeah most stores will have them for you to buy for a nickel or they'll just give them to you. Or they'll you. give them to you. Yeah. A lot of times when you order cards, mm-hmm. they just throw random tokens in. Like Channel yeah. Fireball throws in Andre Maguchi tokens. <laughs> that you can then get signed at your GP. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just make sure you have your tokens. Like I'm, I was playing a deck that generated tokens uh-huh. or like Planeswalker emblems. Yep. I just had all the tokens I needed mm-hmm. in my box. Yep. It's important because you can actually get a game loss for not representing a board state clearly enough. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that you do everything you can, or make an effort at least to cleanly and clearly represent what's going on in the battlefield. And that's easiest to do with the actual tokens. Correct. Yep. So so you're going to have your dice. You're going to have your pen and paper. Mm -hmm. You're going to hopefully, if you're going to make tokens, you're going to have tokens. Yep. That, uh, That token thing can go both ways also. Um, as far as like representing your battlefield, like if your battlefield is a mess and you don't have the right tokens, not only might your opponent make a mistake because you're not representing what you have correctly, but you might make a mistake also. And like, also, I have given my opponent tokens. Yeah. Where they're like, "Oh, I'm making a wolf," and they're yeah. like, "Here's this, not a wolf." And I'm like, "Wait a minute." Yeah. Here's, here's a, wolf. a wolf. Yeah. Like for draft, I have all my lands. Mm-hmm. And then I just have, like, a bunch of tokens mm-hmm. from that set Yep. just in a box. So when I draft, I always have, like, lands and sleeves, which we'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. and then tokens. And yep. they'll just be like, here, you need a wolf. Here's a wolf. Here's a wolf. Enjoy your wolf. Yep. It just makes things easier. Yep. All right. So if you haven't got this stuff, we'll do more. There's the play mat. Yep. When I first started, I was like, well, this seems dumb, but it's just nicer to play on. They actually serve a purpose, too. It is very, much nicer to play on a playmat than on a table. Um, number one, because I have giant sausage fingers with like little to no fingernails, so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to pick cards up off of the hard table. Okay. It's much easier to pick them up off of the squishy playmat. Yes. And they keep your card slash sleeves clean. Yeah. Because you don't have to worry about like what... Um, mongrel had like spilled stuff or smeared right. all over the table beforehand yep so the play mats are like again most stores will sell them mm-hmm. 
you can find them online if you just like search like magic playmat or whatever you'll get mm-hmm. a bajillion different things also if you're new to a store and have kind of hit it off with one of the regulars most people that have been playing for some amount of time have a stack of playmats at home i have like 10 to 20 and i've given a bunch away yeah there's a few that i want to keep yeah but for the most part like we had some younger kids come mm-hmm. in and i just went and just grabbed a bunch of playmats from yep when uh going like top eighting an iq gave you a playmat right or when doing something else gave you a playmat or when you went mm-hmm. to a gp they just would give you a playmat yeah for a while they were giving away with pre-releases yeah, you just got playmats for everything. Yep. I know like a couple times I've, you know, made a weekend out of going to somebody's house and like teaching them how to play magic. And when I do that, I always bring extra sleeves, extra playmats and just give them to them. Yeah, so the playmat like getting a playmat, usually there's like a clear plastic tube you can get for like, mm-hmm. So a playmat's like $20 usually. For a nice one, yeah. For a nice one. Yeah, you can get cheap ones less than that, but yeah. For like a nice one, and there's yeah. like 20 bucks. Yep. And then like you can get like a, a storage tube mm-hmm. that way you can just roll it up and slide in and it fits like easily in your bag or in your hand to carry around. Yep, and they're a couple bucks. Yeah, so like you have that. It just makes things easier. Mm-hmm. I forgot my playmat and just like well, played no playmat <laughs> into top eight. Good job, me. And the last thing we keep talking about is sleeves. Yeah. So... It is very rare to see anyone play constructed magic right. without their cards in sleeves. Mm-hmm. So the sleeves, again, serve a dual purpose. One, of keeping your cards nice. Yeah. So they're not sliding all over some grubby table. Yeah. Magic's kind of a unique hobby in that you can kind of recoup some of your investment when you're done with it. Yeah. If you don't take care of your cards, you can't do that. Yeah, so if you know you're old like us and played with no sleeves, like on the floor yeah. in the back hallway, with cards that are now super expensive, super expensive, they're all like scuffed up on the back and yeah. stuff. Most places will have sleeves. Mm-hmm. I usually buy dragon shields. I drag. I also I'm buy dragon shields. Dragon shield mats. A yep. box of dragon shield mats is like ten dollars. Yeah, 10 it's to like 11. ten and change. Yeah. Yeah, ten to eleven dollars. And it's it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. So you just take all your cards and you want to make sure, one, that you try to, you buy a box mm-hmm. and you keep all those sleeves together. Right. So you're like, hey, I'm going to take these hundred sleeves. I'm going to sleeve up my deck in them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sleeve up my sideboard. I'm going to have 25 extra sleeves in case one of my sleeves breaks or a yep. corner gets bent or something. So they protect your cards. And they also make it easier to shuffle, mm-hmm. like way easier. Yeah, they're also they also serve another uh, duty, and that's for uniformity. And that's kind of why you said you like to buy a pack of sleeves and then keep those sleeves together for any sort of competitive play. There can be no doubt that you can't differentiate any cards in your deck from one another. Yeah, and sleeving your deck makes it so that any inconsistencies that are worn into the back of the cards you can't see. Like, a lot of times at draft, I know, I I don't really like sleeving when I'm playing draft because, like, when I'm playing draft, I'm usually just playing for fun, and I kind of like, you know, mangling the cards a little bit. So what you get for being drafted card. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let me throw you on the floor. But a lot of times the lands will have been through, like, four or five drafts at that point. And they're beat up. And they're a little beat up. 
when you shuffle them next to new cards, you can kind of tell like when a land is coming, when yeah. like a regular card's coming. Um, sleeves prevent that, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Back to what Brian said about like keeping the boxes of sleeves together is over time the knives that cut the sleeves like into their shapes or whatever they wear. So you'll have different cut lines on different batches of sleeves where you can actually tell the sleeves apart. You can tell that they don't belong together. You can you can feel like yeah. that cards will stick out because they're yeah. slightly bigger. Yeah. So if you just get like a box mm-hmm. and then like I have a pioneer deck mm-hmm. bought sleeves for, sleeved it and then I just wrote on the box like God Pharaoh's gift. Yep. And it's like, yep, these sleeves go with this. So if I like break a sleeve, mm-hmm. I have those sleeves. If you're going to like a big event, like if you decide that you're going to go to a GP, right? I would just like get new sleeves right before the tournament. Yep. Maybe like, you know, earlier that week. I like to play one event with a set of sleeves. I was going to say play like one event because yeah. they're so they're not super slidey. Because when you first yeah. get your new sleeves and you sleeve your deck, mm-hmm. It's always puffy. Oh, yeah. And they always slide. <laughs> and so, like, that first game you play, like, they just, your like... Your cards are all over the place. Your, your opponent goes to cut your deck, and it just falls over. <laughs> You're trying to play Magic on an air hockey table. Yeah. But you want to get, like, one event in and then keep that box of extra sleeves. Yep. So if you're shuffling and you break a sleeve, which will happen, mm-hmm. or you, like, bend a corner, you can just throw that sleeve away yep. and put in a new sleeve, and now everything's the same. Yep. And also, like, I saw something yesterday on Twitter where someone took a picture of someone's deck post-sideboarding. Mm-hmm. I think it might not have been quite post-sideboarding, but they had their main deck cards. The sleeves are all wavy. Oh, because they've been playing in them. And then the sideboard cards, the sleeves were flat, and you could you look. Could and they, it looks like they just split the deck in half, stuck the sideboard cards in the middle. Because yeah. the middle, everything was perfectly straight. Yeah. And then all the other cards were, the tops were a little wavy. Yeah. And they're like, this is technically a marked deck. Right. Because like the sideboard cards would be easy to tell from the regular cards. Mm -hmm. Now, again, unless like you're dealing with terrible human beings at like an F&M, no one's going to like get you a game loss for that. And they're like, hey man, get some better sleeves. Yeah. Right. But like, and if you're at a store where someone tries to get you a game loss and no one tells them that they're an idiot. Yeah. uh, Find a different store because those Absolutely. are terrible. Those are terrible humans. Yes, if nobody sticks up for you at that point, the store is full of terrible humans. So yeah, and the the casual tryhard uh, uh, message to everyone is just be a good person. Yeah, just be a reasonable human being. <laughs> be a reasonable human being. We're not asking a lot here. So a little bit of backstory: when we first got this question on how to uh, play Magic and work through a turn or whatever. That was kind of my response. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we can fill an episode with this. My answer is just be a reasonable human being. <laughs> yeah, but we, we, there is a whole episode, oh, yeah. maybe more worth of stuff. Yeah. Now, the last thing, so you've got your pen, your paper, your your uh, sleeves, sleeves, your playmat. Play Another thing you're going to get, uh, we haven't got the card, we haven't got you, got you a deck yet. Yeah. The other thing you're going to get is you're going to get a DCI number. Mm-hmm. So that is how the DCI number is how Big Wizards tracks you. That's right. So that is the number that you give to register for an event. Register for an event. Yep. It's how they put you in Wizards event recorder mm-hmm. so that they can tra- uh, follow you. Mm-hmm. Like you know that the tournament actually works, and then at the end, the store owner hits the submit button. Yep. And sends that event off to Wizards. Yep. And they track how you do. Mm-hmm. 
there's these things called planeswalker points. Right. And you earn these for getting for participating in events, for getting wins, for getting draws, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. If you go to like what's it like if you just Google Planeswalker points, it'll come up. It'll come up. But when you get this DCI card, there's a thing on the it's got your number. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing you should do is you should go into your phone. 100%. And you should make a contact that is DCI number. And it turns out your DCI number is 10 digits, just like a phone number. So I have my card in my wallet, but I'm sure it is a ratty, nasty disaster. Oh, yeah. I don't even think I have my card anymore. But I have my number in my phone. So whenever mm-hmm. I ask for my DCI number, I just go into my contacts and find DCI number. Yep. Right. On the back of that card, they're going to tell you how to register. Mm-hmm. your DCI number. So you go to a website and you basically, you make an account and you, t- you put your name mm-hmm. on your DCI number. What's fun about that is, is now when you go to that planeswalker points website, you can find your name. Like mm-hmm. if you play a lot, you can find your name in your state. You mm-hmm. can find your name. If you play a whole, whole lot, like in the country, <laughs> yeah, like, it'll kind of rank you. Yeah. So I think I'm like, 13th or 14th in South Carolina and you are 15th. Yeah. But you can see where you sit in your state Mm -hmm. and the DCI number is going to be how like if you decide to go to a GP and you've played a lot, you can get a buy Mm -hmm. based on how many Planeswalker points you have. And that's the only, the DCI number is the only way that you can like track your Planeswalker points. So your store, when they go to set it up, they should, they're going to ask you, do you have a DCI number? And they're going to give you a card. Mm Mm-hmm. Do what the card says on the back. Yes, please register it. Please register it because, you know, I like even this PTQ, yeah. I went in and I played against person with a name, person with a name, a blank, person with a name, a blank, yeah. person with a name, right? So if you don't go register, you just show up as like a null yeah. in like events and stuff. Mm-hmm. So go register it. It's beneficial for you. Yep. It um, also helps the store out. Wizards has kind of changed the way that they issue promos and allocate product to uh, local game stores. And if you come in with the same number all the time, it helps them out. So okay, just a quick aside. You're so doing we have, your we, store a favor too. Yeah. So we have a bunch of stuff. Yep. Now we didn't say pen and paper. You can get that anywhere. Right? Yeah. The other thing about pen and paper real quick, as opposed to like keeping track of your life with spin downs, is you can write yourself notes during a match too. They have to remain public. Right. But like let's say you cast Thought Erasure. Right. Right. On Arena, they just show you those cards. And then they stay revealed. Yeah. In paper they don't stay revealed. You have to write them down. Right. Again, if you're dealing with a decent human, they'll be like, you wanna write them down? Mm-hmm. Right. They'll give you time to write them down. Mm-hmm. And then you can just write them down and then check off. Yeah, like as they play them, you can cross them off or whatever. So you know what cards are in their hand. Yeah. So that's also kind of important, yeah. too. But, like, for your sleeves in your playmat, mm-hmm. um, you can usually get those at the game store that you're planning to go to. Mm-hmm. So if it's your first time, right, and you have cards but no sleeves, go, like, 30 or 40 minutes early before the event if you can. Yeah, or I would get- try and show up a little early anyway. Yeah. Or, like, go on Wednesday and, like, scout the place out and get yeah. your sleeves then and then sleeve your deck up at home. Mm-hmm. You can also order them online and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, just be mindful. Like, 
that you're gonna want to do that and give you it's gonna it takes time yeah especially like the first time you sleeve cards like you're fumbling around yeah, and, it's rough yeah cutting your fingers up and so next is um you should come with a deck if you're going to play constructed or show up with enough time to get the cards for the deck um, if your tournament starts at 7 o'clock, you probably don't want to show up at 6.55 with a list of 20 cards you need to play in the event. That's yeah. kind of not a, not a very nice thing to do to whoever's working the counter. Because they they're, like, registering a bunch of people. Yeah. Right, so you, they don't have time to stop and pull your order right. for you. So if you've played exclusively, like, on, on Arena, mm-hmm. you know, if you decide, like, I want to go play on paper, if you're going to order your cards online, mm-hmm. you know, there's... There's we use TCG player a lot. Yep. Uh, we tell you again. We told you about things before. Use TCG direct. Yeah. I usually get my cards in under a week. I can order stuff on a Monday and usually get them on Friday. That's what happened my last order. Usually, if I get stuff TCG direct, it's like two days. If I yeah. order Monday, I usually get it Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. So you can order from TCG. Yep. Star City Channel Fireball. Um, I forgetting anyone. I guess uh, card hoarder. Card hoarder. Yeah. Uh, card kingdom card, card King- kingdom card, card kingdom order. yeah uh cape fear games if you're yeah cape fear you know. yep right but order your cards in advance so that they have time to show up and that mm-hmm. you're not like scrambling yeah like some of the real big places like cape cape fear not cape fear uh, star like city? channel fireball mm-hmm. and star city um they can take a little while like oh. I, i've had orders from them like not show up till the following week yeah so and and like mindful. channel like you know, depending on where you are, like Channel Fireballs in California. Yeah. Right. Well, TC- even Star City, though. Like, Star City's closer than uh, TCG. TCG Player. And I've yeah. had Star City packages show up like a week after. Yeah. So give yourself some, like, lead time. Because, yeah. right, you can play. Like, there's nothing wrong with showing up and being like, oh, I've got, like, 50 of the 60 cards I really want. And I'm going to fill in the, like, the last 10 slots with, eh. But I'd, you'd feel better about yourself yeah. if you just had everything together. I did that last night. I put together the uh, Golgari Field deck, mm-hmm. and I have pieces of that deck and like four other decks right now. So I threw some spice in there. Yeah. <laughs> so order your cards, or you know, if you're gonna get them from the store, put in your order a day or two early. Most yeah. again, most stores have a way to order cards online. Yeah. Uh, not all stores. Most stores do that. Most stores. So you could just order all those cards. If there's like a, a note to the vendor section, just be like, I'm going to need these for F&M. Yep. You know, I'll be in at six or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So then they're like, okay, I got to have these cards set aside for six because this person's going to come in. Yeah. Right. So you're going to get your deck list put together, hopefully before you go into the store mm-hmm. for your F&M. Yep. And like we said, if you're going to a GP, make sure you have your deck. Yeah, that's super important. Vendors at big events, not just a GP, like opens and stuff also, or regionals or like any sort of larger event um, that has like outside vendors coming to set up and sell cards, they don't bring commons and uncommons. They don't bring bulk rares. They only bring cards they think they can sell. They'll usually bring most of the playable cards from a new standard set mm-hmm. and like most of the playable standard cards. Yeah. If and it's a standard event. If it's a standard like event. Like I've seen vendors show up to modern events with no standard cards. So you can't be like, well, I need these like uncommons. Right. They're probably not going to be there. Yeah. And if they are, like we told you guys about at the at 
Magic Fest Richmond, mm-hmm. they were charging a huge premium yeah. on those cards. Yeah, guys spent forty dollars on five uncommons from Core Twenty. Yeah, like it, it's insane. Yeah, right. And he would have spent like five dollars or yeah. ten if you ordered them online. But I think that is a product of how a lot of people play Magic now. A lot of people mm-hmm. play Magic online or play right. Arena. So they don't have the physical cards. They just buy their cards for yeah. the paper events they're going to. Could be. Right. So just make sure you have your cards. And again, like if you can't have all of your deck, have most of your deck and then actual cards to like fill yeah. out the rest. You know, like yep. I really wish I had a shifting Ceratops, but I guess I'll play a ferocious witch stalker because it's too green green. Yeah. And plays a similar role. Almost as big. Yep. But it would be way better if I had a Shifting Ceratops. Right. Or like, I wish I had a Questing Beast, mm-hmm. but I'll take the Shifting But I'll take this yeah, Witch Stalker until I have a Questing Beast. Mm-hmm. And especially like when you're starting out, like not wanting to spend $80 on four um, questing, beasts. questing Beasts for your deck is fine. Yeah. Right? Like, especially like if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to like really like playing in paper mm-hmm. or whatever, like you know, doing it somewhat on a budget mm-hmm. and then being like, no, this is, I'm like really competitive. Like I really want to do like then like yeah. paying that stuff. I, I heard it described on Gabby's on a Gabby's stream as it's not pay to play. It's pay to compete. That's true. Right. You can, you can play magic. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost you money, but mm-hmm. you can play magic relatively cheaply oh yeah right like you can do a lot of places a draft is ten dollars you could show mm-hmm. up every week and draft for 10 bucks right or 15 right i think, but, I think going rates about 15 now but yeah yeah so 10 or 15 dollars you could do a draft that's like going to like a movie right right like that's not bad right but like standard decks tie tier standard decks mm-hmm. are three or four hundred dollars mm-hmm. modern decks run to two thousand dollars yeah Right. Legacy decks are a car. Are, are a car. Yeah. Right. But you can do it relatively cheaply and mm-hmm. then like work towards those other cards. Yeah. If that's something you want to do. Like yeah. Maybe you just like draft. Yeah. There's plenty of people that. Just draft. Just draft. Also, you, if you go to a place for a while, mm-hmm. maybe like someone will be like, what are, what are those witch stalkers supposed to be? Yeah. Or like. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, I don't have, like, you play your witch doctor, and you're like, yeah, I don't have mm-hmm. a questing beast. And, like, maybe the next tournament, they'll be like, here, you use my four questing beasts mm-hmm. and give them back to me at the end of the, at the end of F&M. Yep. I've give done them, that for people. Yeah, give them back. Don't be a scumbag. Right. <laughs> but if you're, you're listening to us. You're not a scumbag. Um, I mean, I've also showed up to F&M and, like, you know, helped some newer players with their decks and bought cards off my store credit form for yeah. the deck too yeah I've, gi- I've given people stuff yeah. out of my trade binder I'm like here yeah. you go so there you go we've gotten you a deck mm-hmm. we've well got- do you do you want to talk real quick about like how to how to actually get a deck uh i mean you follow me on twitter and i tell you about the decks there you go that is the best places so, so, <laughs> so there's so there's there's twitter there's yeah. I curate like arena deck list podcast like uh, Twitter feed. There's a, there's an arena deck list Twitter account mm-hmm. that Jerry Thompson I think retweets almost everything. There is yeah. some level of curation. Yeah, I do an additional layer of 
curation where I'm like, I've seen this deck six times. Right. We don't need you, to see You've it not again. done anything here. Yeah. You're not getting, you know, I'm not retweeting this. Right. But if I see something that's like new or interesting, I'll tweet it. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know, there's articles on mm-hmm. Star City Games, uh, on Channel Fireball. Yeah, I heard Star City changed like this week or last is week. Is everything though. premium now? I think everything is premium now. Mm. Which is awkward. Which is awkward. So, okay, let's start city. Yeah. Channel Fireball, everything's free. Yep. MTG Goldfish. MTG is Goldfish. Is a great place to go for deck lists. TCG Player has, like, an entire, like, yep. content side that I hardly ever interact with, but I yeah. found articles there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the important things is that, obviously, it comes with time, but try and, like, figure out what kind of player you are and then find a pro that matches you. Yeah. Because a lot of the pros are known for like a specific archetype or a kind of deck that they gravitate towards. And if you can kind of match yourself with one of them, now you have a default. Like if you don't know what to play for an event or if you don't know what to play for FNM, you can kind of default to like whatever they played last or whatever their late, latest article yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, I have Matt Nass as a combo player. Yep. And I have just like jammed Matt Nass legacy decks Mm -hmm. and just been like yep i'm gonna do this Mm -hmm. it looks fun it was fun we're just gonna do this yep or like a whole bunch recently you've said strasky posted this desk or this deck i'm i'm gonna play it because he's he's the man right now yeah and the decks have all been good yeah so there's that if you have just built something on arena Mm -hmm. there is a bit of a cautionary tale remember arena especially if you're playing best of one smooths out your draws yeah and so uh, on Arena, maybe you're playing some mono red deck that's playing 18 lands or 17 lands. That's yeah. not going to fly in paper. Right. Right. So you need to be mindful of the fact that your deck needs to have the right number of lands in mm-hmm. to, to work in paper because you don't get that like hand smoothing algorithm yeah. in real life. And when in doubt, you should add a land. Yeah. Or two. Uh, <laughs> The default for most decks is the standard is 24. Right. Uh, if you're a particularly aggressive deck, like really hyper aggressive, maybe you in standard can cut down to 22 or 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, in older formats, because the cards are even cheaper, you can go right. a little bit lower. And then like mid-range or control decks that really need to hit their land drops are going to play 25, 26. Yeah, or more. Or more. Uh, but yeah, your 24 is usually like the default. Right. And then... Please don't show up with 22 lands in your deck. Yeah, like you're you're going to have a hard, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Right. So just be be mindful that arena another way that arena kind of holds your hand mm-hmm. is it makes it so you ha- are going to have less games where you just draw like six spells in a land. Yeah. And you can't keep that hand. Right. Uh so just be mindful. Uh, if you do just have a deck that you've built on Arena and you're like, mm-hmm. I want to play this, cool, do that. Right. But make sure that you have the right number of lands. Mm-hmm. If you've got a bunch of like six and seven drops, you better have 26, 27 lands. Yeah. So, or your deck's not going to work. Yeah, you're just not going to do anything. Yep. So, we've, so like I said, we've got you now. Mm-hmm. You've got a deck. You have a deck. And a DCI number. And a DCI number. And accessories. And accessories. So we're going to work on how to get you, like, playing magic. playing magic now Yep. in a future episode. That's right. Not this week. All right. Next up, going back to the digital realm now. Yeah. 
back into the Matrix, uh, back to Arena. Very briefly. We don't have Very time briefly. to talk There's about the Arena this week. So I think the combination of third version of Eldraine Standard yeah, combined with the launch of Historic this week, mm-hmm. I was the only person that put down any data. I don't think I played Arena at all this right? week. So we're not going to talk about what the metagame looks like. Well, yeah. I will say... That blue green deck that I talked about, Andre Shots, that is played all over version the, one. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah, um, it was just everywhere. So again, that is the new hotness. And mm-hmm. if it's good, it'll stay around. And if it's not, it'll it'll be more new hotness. In yeah, like there can only be so many decks though, right? If they keep banning decks out of this format, yeah, like before we get a new set, yeah, like there's only there's we're only we're gonna so run much out time. of things to do. This is true. They're not going to ban anything else. We're just saying, like, if this yeah. deck's not good, yeah, it will, like, go away. Yeah. Right? And, like, we only have, like, six or seven more weeks left yeah. with this standard format. So that combined with the Historic launch, I think there's a lot of standard play. So Historic, they did the, the launch. Uh, we already know our thoughts on uh, some sweet, sweet uh, <laughs> Historic cards. But I played the historic, uh, like, best of one, get the card styles event. Yeah. Is that over with now? It might be over today or tomorrow. So it might already be gone. I do not have the cards to go with the card styles, but I have the card styles. Yeah. The historic format, again, like, standards, greatest hits. Mm -hmm. So the decks I saw were, like, a gruel aggro list with uh, a burning tree emissary okay just the fact that it was free yeah like lana war elf and a burning tree girl spellbreaker on turn two that's pretty good is a solid start to any game the, um that other zerta goblin or whatever gets better too at that point zerta goblin uh yeah when you when it gets to be like yeah pelt collector into burning tree into zerta yeah that's pretty good and your pelt collector is a three three at the end of it and you've got seven you got eight power on board yep on turn two there were I played against the Soul Sisters list. Okay. Uh, using both the cards from the uh, historic uh, set, the the uh, Soul Warden and yeah. uh, Sarah Ascendant. Mm-hmm. I played a couple mirror matches with the Kethis deck. Mm-hmm. I was playing a build. I'm still not sure about like eight slots. I was playing a build that was closer to like the modern or pioneer version. Okay. Where you're really leaning on uh, inter- the Emery interaction. So basically, yeah. you can, with a little bit of luck, if you have a Kethis, you can go turn four, Kethis, have up a blue mana, mm-hmm. and have play a Mox, and uh, win on the spot. Mm-hmm. Because if you have two Emery's and two Mox Ambers, you can go through your entire deck. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you hit a Jace Wilder of Mysteries and blue, 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 cast it, and you've milled yourself out and you win the game. Yeah. Uh, so I was going doing that. I saw versions that were more... Um, How bad is that the click-through on Arena, though? It's a lot of clicks. They have fixed the timer, though. Yeah. So when it was in Standard, I don't know if it was just more clicks, but when it was in Standard, you were always super in danger of roping yeah and it felt like i had more time yeah but it is a lot of clicks so if you're like executing the loop Mm -hmm. it's uh 
play a mox, click on the one you want to keep. Yeah. Then play the Emery. If there's already one in play, click on the one you want to keep. Activate Kethis. Exile cards. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. So it is a lot of clicks. Yeah. You can get relatively fast at it if you have like a diligent excavator out. Yeah. Like just like having to then target yourself adds like more clicks. Yeah. But it's doable. I didn't rope at all playing it. Mm-hmm. So I played like that version, and then there's one that's almost I think just the uh, the old standard the version. old standard version. It has Emery in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they cut. There were some kind of garbage cards, but was playing like Tamios and Ashiox and stuff. Yeah, I think I played against like a mono black deck. What is that? I played against a Niv Mizzet deck. I think. Okay. You yeah. Think? If I'm remembering correctly, like Niv Mizzet Reborn. Okay. Yeah, they just hit all their like multicolored spells. Like I gotcha. I was like, oh, we. we I thought had you a- meant you beat them before you saw Niv Mizzet. No, 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 no. I know I saw Niv Mizzet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> chromatic Lantern like yeah. things. Hmm. Again, kind of like Pioneer. A lot of aggressive. Yeah. Decks. Again, just because like the removal is not really good enough. Yeah. I don't like. I don't really want to pour a ton of resources into historic right now. Because yeah. I think I would rather just play Pioneer, mm-hmm. and the until only, they start making strides towards that. I the only thing with like the deck I'm playing in Pioneer is close enough, yeah, to this that like yeah. it's not a total waste of time, right? And it's also just like like the ladder climb stresses me out sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I just want to play, and like eh, if I lose. No big deal. Just yeah, go I'm back not in. Not worried about. Not worried about like going down. Yeah, last night I was playing and I like flooded out in the blue green mirror. Yeah. And then when I went out, I was like, oh, that was the win that was going to put me in platinum. Now I'm great. Stuck in gold still. Yeah. It's like ah, uh. but yeah. So it's fine. I I think if you again if you're interested in like paper magic like mm-hmm. we've been talking about today, historic is not a paper magic format. Right. So there's not a whole lot of like. It's worth like putting your time in there, right? Unless like you're like me and like your pioneer deck yeah. is Kethis and you're playing Kethis and it's like all the same cards, yeah. Minus like eight cards. Now those eight cards are really important, <laughs> but it's all the same deck. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, okay, like I'm getting something out of this. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't think there's a. I don't know what the special event is. Yeah, I have no going idea. forward. Like I said, I really didn't have a whole lot of time to get on Arena this week, so I actually, right before you got here, I signed on, and it told me I had to update my client. So I don't know whenever the last update was, but that was the last time I was on. Oh, like Thursday? Yeah. Well, again, I'll get the data sheet up again, and we'll see if we're going to play some standard. But this is, like, traditionally when Magic is, like, the slowest, right? Yeah. Like, there's prep for Thanksgiving. Right. Then there's Christmas. Then there's a new year's, then there's a new set. Right. So like after this mythic championship, which is happening next week, mm-hmm. they've done a great job of advertising <laughs> this event. So I'm like, it's next week, right? Yeah, yeah. Then no one's going to care about standard. Yeah. Standard's just going to go away. Except for you. Cause GP Portland. Yeah. I'm still, maybe, maybe I kind of want to go, but we'll see. Yeah. It's a lot of money to change my flight. I wish I would have known about it before I booked my flight. <laughs> uh, all right. So there was one more thing that happened in magic today. Today. Uh, and that is uh, the secret layer. The secret layer. 
So they've been teasing this for a little while. Yeah. And today they finally did it. It's here. So what is <laughs> the secret lair? It's uh, $200 and you can buy it on December 2nd. Congratulations. Yeah. This is <laughs> what one would call a cash grab. 100% it's a cash grab. Like there is $8 worth of stuff in these boxes and they're charging you $200. Yeah. So what it is is <clears throat> this is uh, depending on which person you saw do this, do right. their like little unboxing today. It's a love letter from Wizards of the Coast to their fans and blah, sure. blah, blah. Sure. So basically... There are these small boxes. Yeah, they look like a deck box almost. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they're exactly deck box size, but that's what it looks like. They said they can hold two sleeved commander decks. Okay, cool. That is how big they're supposedly are. Okay. Well, that's uh, cool, though. Like, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, someone was, like, single sleeved. Uh, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk about double sleeving. That's an advanced. Uh, oh, yeah. Advanced uh, sleeving technique. Yeah, exactly. And so in this box mm-hmm. comes a group of cards that fits a theme. Yes. Uh, not many cards. Not many. So there is there are seven themes. Right. And on the first day, mm-hmm. December uh, 2nd, mm-hmm. you can, for a 24-hour period. Buy all seven of buy them. Buy all seven of them. For $200. For $200. Yep. And then... Each subsequent day, you get to buy one specific one for more than what the seven would cost. Um, ish, ish. The bitter blossom one, the rest in peace one, and the kaleidoscope one. The singles are worth more than what they're charging. But like, if you were to buy them individually, like the if you were to miss. Oh yeah, buying yeah, all seven yeah, yeah. and then bought the, all seven individually, yeah. you would end up spending more than buying yeah. all seven. Yeah, it ends up like thirty or forty dollars more, I think, if you yeah. piecemeal them. So there are seven themes. Mm-hmm. There is Bitter Blossom Dreams, mm-hmm. Eldrain Wonderland, Restless in Peace, Seeing Visions, ex- parentheses, explosion sounds. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, Kaleidoscope Killers and. OMG kitty, uh, kitten, kitties. Kitties. Yeah. All right. So each of these has at most five cards. Uh, no. Five pieces of cardboard. Doesn't the kittens one have eight? Does the kitten ones have eight? I okay, so. I don't like that one. Yeah, I think the so kittens, kittens one has, has eight. eight. Most value for your for your buck there and <laughs> just in sheer number of cardboard. Yeah. So Bitter Blossom Dreams mm-hmm. is one... The card Bitter Blossom with right. a new, like, full art treatment. It's beautiful. It is a very nice it, looking it's card. It's pretty. I do believe it is foil. I am not sure it is not foil. Uh, that one is not foil. Which, why? I wrote down the ones that were foil. That one is not. Why? I don't uh, and know. then it, it comes. It would look so good in foil. And then it comes with four fairy rogue tokens. Right. Because Bitter Blossom is one in the black for a tribal enchantment fairy mm-hmm. that each upkeep each of your upkeeps you lose a life and make a one one fairy a fairy rogue token with flying yep right so they gave you the bitter blossom right plus four tokens right for 30 american dollars 
Yeah, but Bitter Blossom's more than 30 bucks. This is true. And these are gorgeous. It is very pretty. And they go together as a panorama. They do. Yeah, it's very pretty. Then we have... I, El- like, I like this one. I can tell. <laughs> You're like, don't say anything bad about it. <laughs> then we have Eldraine Wonderland. This one you can make fun of all you want to. It is five snow-covered lands that are foil. Yes. That are loosely set in Eldraine. Yeah, more or less. I mean, I saw the plain and the mountain and the swamp, mm-hmm. and like nothing about that, their their art made me go like, this is Eldraine. <laughs> Like oh yeah that's a plane. I think the forest had like a witch's hut or whatever. Okay, it. I didn't yeah. see the I didn't see the forest. So that is five snow colored colored snow covered lands, mm-hmm. not full art. Correct foil, just right. like for thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's not a terrible deal either. Like if you look at uh, foil snow covered lands from anything. They're more than $6 a piece or whatever. This is true. My my foil f- full art swamps from Modern Horizons were like 10 Yeah. And like they said that it, we are going to rip on this product a little bit, but they also said that like these cards aren't necessarily like competitive cards. No. They're stuff that they like see in commander decks and casual play and stuff like that. So this isn't meant for, you know. Yeah. There's Restless in Peace. Yep. Which is dredge stuff. It is dredge stuff. Should be right up my alley. There's yeah. a Golgari Thug, uh, Life from the Loam, and Bloodgast. Mm-hmm. And they all look super cool. They do all look They're super cool. They're not foil. They are not. This one also is. So this is three cards. Mm-hmm. $30. $30. Seeing Visions. <laughs> this one's funny. Is foil serum visions. Yeah. It's four of them. Four of them <laughs> in four. Completely and totally different art styles. Right. One of them is like, uh, like pixel art. Yeah. I mean, they look neat. Mm-hmm. I, I believe these were the ones that the flavor text kind of told a story too. Okay. Like it had different flavor text on each one. Yeah. Um, Strange though. Yeah, thirty bu- uh, thirty bucks for that. Yep. Explosion sounds. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it is. Uh, it's on I'm, twelve. I'm, I'm pretty sure this one was uh, thirty bucks also. Okay. And it comes with five classic goblins. Yeah, they're all pieces of like legacy goblins. So it's Goblin Bushwhacker, Goblin Lackey, Goblin Pile Driver, Goblin King, and Goblin Sharpshooter. I think two of them are legacy goblin staples, like Lackey and Sharpshooter. Oh yeah, I guess so. Pile Driver, yeah. Eh. Yeah. Bushwhacker gets played in uh, Eight Whack, Eight Whack yeah. in Modern, and Goblin King. Mm-hmm. It's just Goblin King from it's a million, King, from like yeah. the dark or something from a million years from ago. Revised, man. Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, Revised. Go- uh, Goblin King was in that one? Yeah. Okay, what's the, what's the one from the dark? Um, I don't know. Okay, anyway. And then you've got Kaleidoscope Killers, which mm. I guess because these are legends, they're more? Well, these are expensive cards. Okay. so it's And they're all in foil. So it's foil for the Reaper King, the Ur-Dragon, and Sliver Overlord, which Sliver Overlord's the OG original one, right? No, Sliver Overlord is the Time Spiral one, I think. Okay. I think. Sliver Queen was OG one. Okay. And this is $40. Yeah. Um, but like I said, these cards were expensive cards, and the foil versions of them were even more expensive. Like a foil Reaper King was f- like more than $40, I think. Okay. And then you have OMG uh, Kitties. Yeah. Which are six cats. And two tokens. And two, oh, and two tokens. Yeah. Uh, Lena Warleader, 
Kasali Slingers, which I have no idea what that card is. I think that was a commander card. Okay. It's like any time a cat enters a battlefield, you can blow up an enchantment or something. Regal Caracal. Yeah, I'm in Cat also. I'm in Cat. Uh, I'm Ar- not going to... Arabo Roar of the Wild sure. was a uh, commander deck card. Uh, Miri Weatherlight Duelist. And it's just cats. Yeah, they're just cats, and they've done them in like a cute art style. Yeah. The art is very is really neat. Yeah, the art's cool. This um, reminds me of the was the Throne of Eldraine like thing where you got like a fancy box like part of of an uncut sheet. Oh yeah, what was that? I don't remember what it was called. It was expensive, right? Yeah, it was like three hundred dollars or something, right? I think the professor was like, "This is for whales." Yeah. This product. Yeah. Is for whales. It's probably not for you. It's hey, you've got a lot of money. Yeah. Buy this thing. I wish they were like all foil. I don't know why they did some foil and some. I don't not. know, man. That bitter blossom would be so pretty in foil. I kind of want the bitter blossom. Like, am I a terrible person if I order four of those? No, you're a person who has one hundred twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like we were talking about this before the show, though. Like these, this is going to be the floor for this kind of product, though. Yeah, so like, like if, if there's something that you want, like order it when it comes out because that's the cheapest it'll ever be. Yeah. So the thing is, is they're print to however many they order on the, one day. On one day. Yeah. Is what I is what it seems to be. Yeah. If you want to order for the bitter blossoms, yeah, you've got to order it December third, right? Or it goes away, right? Now we'll see how go away it goes. Oh, yeah? You think they'll come back? They're going to do more in yeah. 2020. So, like, are they going to... Like, they're going to run into the same problem they ran into with, like... Master sets and from the vaults? Yeah, where they, like, run out of things to, like, put in them. Yeah. Right? Like, from the vault transformed had, like, two cards. Oh, from the vault then, transformed totally could have been this. Yeah. But, like, you had that, yeah. and then it was just, like... Like there were like two or three like yeah. playable cards, and then it was like Argyle's Budfest, and it's like this card's currently <laughs> in standard, right? And costs three dollars. Yeah. Why are we putting it's this in, in the, from the vault? Why is this in the from the vault? Yeah. And like same with like uh, expedition slash masterpieces slash right. whatever know, invocations. Yeah. You run out of things to print. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, oh, like you're super hyped for Bitter Blossom, but are you gonna be like I don't know. Hype for like secret layer Sheldock Isle? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Oh man. Like that's kind of the nice thing about doing the product this way though. Is I don't have to buy the Sheldock Isle. I only have to buy the bitter blossom. True. I don't have to buy the cats. I'm True. not gonna play any of those cats ever. Yeah, I mean it is it is basically if you can get it, it's like I am buying four bitter blossoms. Yeah, and like I said, bitter blossoms more than thirty dollars. I looked yeah. at them at the GP Richmond. Yeah, but I mean, there's also like Bloodgast Life from the Loam, Golgari Thug. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bloodgast is twenty bucks. Uh, Bloodgast is twenty dollars still. I think so. Yeah, uh, Life from the Loam is twenty bucks. Okay, so maybe you come out ahead there. Yep. Now, Serum Visions, no. No, absolutely not. No, like, you've got to really be in for this art. Yeah. Same the, the art is kind of cool. Yeah, same with the goblins. Yeah, that art's a little less than cool. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was cool. It's funny. It, I, I wouldn't, like, pick that 
to be. Yeah. But thing. if you do that, then yeah, the uh, the art for the uh, restless and peace one that was really cool too. I don't know if you remember or not, but the guy that did these did a uh, giant for Shadows Over Earth for Eldritch Moon. I think mm-hmm. did a giant Emrakul poster with like Lily and Gideon. Like I watched the do you believe the noxious video? Yeah. of this where he the guy also did like Iron Maiden uh, album covers. Oh yeah, yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, so I saw what the cards were, and then he was like, Nash was like, oh, we have him here with us. And I was like, stop. <laughs> like, I, next one, I got to figure out what these cards are. <laughs> Do we have, like, a like an Eddie hiding in there? Uh, I don't think. I didn't look That'd close enough. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Eddie's the skeleton from Iron Maiden. Yeah, like yeah. unofficial, official mascot, whatever. Yeah. Uh, one more thing that does come with these is they come with an arena code. And an MTGO code. To get like sleeves that reflect the art of Well, the for Arena, yes. Okay. For Magic Online, it gives you the cards. Okay. These cards aren't on Arena, so they can only give you like sleeves or something else yeah. instead. But you are getting something for your digital client also. Yeah. Whichever one you, you prefer. I am probably not going to buy any uh, secret layers, at least in this go-round. Yeah. I really want some of those bitter blossoms. That's fine. Live your life. I don't like... Don't hold it over my head, all right? I'm not going <laughs> to... I don't like the uh, like the one day thing. Yeah. That's like, kind of weird. Like making like false scarcity because yeah. what is probably going to end up happening is there's going to be uh, some groups of people that just buy mm-hmm. a bunch of them. Yeah. And then they're... Well, gonna- they did say they're limiting them to 10, 10 a person or 10 an address. Still, yeah, you're gonna have a bunch of people or groups of people that are gonna buy them, and they're gonna be on like mm-hmm. eBay for a hundred bucks. Yeah, like as soon as they get shipped, mm-hmm. and that like feeds into one of Magic's problems of just like being right. like super expensive. Now again, you don't have to buy this version, right? Yeah, you can buy the normal Goblin Kings for way less than a fifth of thirty dollars. Six. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you and your fancy maths. Yeah, me and my division. <laughs> I, I don't like that aspect of it. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're a commander player or something and, like, mm-hmm. this is your jam. Yep. Right? I mean, for the most part, it is convenient that there's only one of them. Right. If you're a constructed player, it's rather annoying. Unless, unless you really want the Serum Visions one. Unless you want some mismatched Serum Visions. <laughs> We have to hope is that you have three friends oh, yeah, that there each you go. like a different art, <laughs> and then you just all buy them, and then you trade, and you all end up with a playset of the the art that you like. Yeah, like that is that is the key. One of the things that I read online was somebody was comparing this to like from the vault altars. Okay. So it's kind of like you said, it's kind of like in the vein of a from the vault, mm-hmm. but instead of it being you know magic cards with poor foiling and you know either the same or questionable artwork some of the artwork on the from the vaults hasn't been great they're like alter artwork they're not artwork that you would normally see in a magic magic product and a lot of times when people do get their altars done they get like a play set done differently like a play set of seasons or a play set of whatever they get them all done differently they're not always the same so it kind of fits in that theme i guess yeah i mean it's not for everybody and a lot of these cards are just EDH cards, so. Yeah. So, 
We'll see. With that, yep. if you uh, are going to uh, be buying a bunch of these and you get a bunch of bitter blossoms before James does, uh, <laughs> you can tweet us our pictures to, to, to mock him with at sure. Casual Tripod. Yep. Uh, you can send them to us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can e- email them directly to me at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Or eel mail him, which you tie it to the back of an eel and you hope it swims to uh, South Carolina. Hey, man, I did a lot of talking. My tongue is thick. <laughs> so uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll catch you at FNM. Now that you know how to get there. <laughs> <laughs>